you hear those three letters, your day just got better. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or hey, maybe you're starting your year off right. You got your resolution. You got your motivation. We're going to help by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their support, their generosity means we get to make those. And my goodness, we've gotten a bunch new one, a bunch of new people joining up, helping to support the show. Thank you. Welcome. We appreciate you. We've got the new annual subscription. Now you can jump in on Patreon and do a whole year in advance. We love that people are doing that as well. And there's all kinds of cool perks for supporting the show on Patreon, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, bonus content like Feeling This, two seasons of Feeling This with Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talking about the feelings behind video games, the DLC Book Club where Lana Bashinsky and I talk about the Malazan Book of the Fallen, and the Wednesday Paid DLC program. We just had two Awesome episodes of that that were kind of special. We did a draft of video games from 1998 with Danish Syed and Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer and me. It's so much fun. You get all that bonus content, weekly updates to those shows, all at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Check it out. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's starting his year off right by doing the thing we have been doing for 11 years now. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I did it, though. I My backlog is at zero. I finished. I took this week. I beat wow. every game that I have sitting in my... You name it, I finished it. It felt really good to do. I'm ready for 2024 because I just deleted them all. And I said, Inbox out of zero. <laughs> backlog zero. Yeah, the magic put of in the a, delete key. Put them it's, in a bin. Put them in the garage. Beat them. You know, like easy peasy. <laughs> incredible. Hey, we are starting this year off right. We got a great show for you. Some really interesting stuff to talk about. Some really great games that we've been playing over our, our little holiday period. And we have one of our favorite guests. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for downloadable chastity. Hello. Because we have the editorial comms manager and host at Ubisoft, our friend, Chastity Vicencio, back with us. Hi, Chastity. How are you? It's so good to be back. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me kick off 2024 with both of you. This is so exciting. I'm very happy to be here. Well, Thank we you. couldn't think of a better person to hang out with. Uh, oh. And thanks, thanks for making the time for us. 
Uh, how was your holiday? How's your new year starting off? So I am the opposite and I am very far like back in my backlog. There's, it's just, it keeps going. It yeah. keeps going. I have <laughs> yeah. not finished mine. I, I am the opposite because I just found one and just kept playing it all break. Well, I'll I, tell you more about that game later though. <laughs> I can't wait to dig into that. We got a lot to, to, to talk about. I have been playing a lot of VR stuff. We'll get to that too, <laughs> but let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Or I'll maybe I'll try one more time. Here we go. <laughs> story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always uh, suggest stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also, another way to talk to us and talk to the community, be part of the community, is our Discord, which is 5 by 5 DLC on Discord. So check that out, hang out, become part of the community. But Chastity, you are our guest. Oh. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? All right. So I have to go with NES Tetris getting beaten for the first time by a human being. That is amazing. And also just because it was everywhere. Like literally everyone was like, have you heard about this Tetris thing? And it's like grandmothers, uncles, like, oh, my God, I heard someone beat Tetris. And it was just <laughs> all over the place. So I because have- of the wide range of how this got around, this has got to be the story of the week. I was going to say, I think you have a cooler grandmother than I have, but uh, I love that. <laughs> it is definitely one of my favorite stories of the week. One of the things I love about this time of year where we had like this, all this crazy build up to the end of the year, all this, all these stories, all this big intense, you know, all the big games kind of coming out, trying to squeeze in before the holiday shopping period. And then you get to the new year and you have time for really wonderful stories like this. And you are right. The Tetris, this is the classic NES version of Tetris. 1989. Was, yeah. Yes. 1989's <laughs> Tetris. Yes. Uh, a 13-year-old who goes uh, by the name of oh, Blue Scooty is, uh, has become the first person to get to a true kill screen of Tetris. So there is an awesome uh, YouTube video about this that I highly recommend people watch. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen this video because it has 7 million views as we're we're talking. But it is by a game scout. And it's a really awesome, like, uh, 16-minute video that tells you about the the history of of, and why this is such a big deal. But basically, the short version is, or the short-ish version is, that for many years, people thought you couldn't get past level 29 of Tetris. Because at level 29 of this old NES version of Tetris, which is on kind of, you know, not great code because it was made in an old era where people just, you just shovelwared it to the NES. Uh, and at level 29, you could not, pushing left or right on the D-pad, you couldn't get the piece over to the edge of the screen before it landed. It was going so fast down the screen that you literally could not, get the piece to the edges of the screen. So you you couldn't play. It would just fill up and you would lose. So people thought for many years, level 29 was the end of the game, was as far as you could humanly get. 
Then people figured out a way to push the button faster than the than you're supposed to be humanly able to push it. And they figured out, oh, you could actually move it left and right. And then somebody else figured out, well, if you do this thing called rolling, where you put your fingers on the back of the, of the controller and you kind of roll your thumb and flick it, it's crazy to see these people do it. You could actually con- continue to control it with some accuracy. And it made it so that people could get level 40, level 50, level 60, level 100. And then somebody built an AI that could play Tetris perfectly. And they just went to see as far as the NES version would go. And they found out that it would crash at certain points. And somebody made this giant spreadsheet about all the different states that could cause a crash in the game. But no human had ever done it until this 13-year-old kid comes along and does it, gets to this point where he gets to a kill screen, which is literally as far as he could go. No human had ever done it. And it's a wild, cool thing. Chastity, this... Yeah, you can watch him do it, too. Like, I just I just love watching the video of him actually doing it. And then his reaction as soon as it crashes. The hyperventilating. Him going, I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my fingers. Like, it's just that feeling. I'm genuinely so stoked for him. Because, like, it's no easy feat, one thing. But also, most of us don't get a lot of moments like that in our lifetimes. And he got it at 13 playing beating tetris for the first time it was it was just beautiful he beautiful seems like such a good kid <laughs> yeah like, you just you're i i honestly i teared up watching the video and the other thing is that he uh there was this other um tetris pro or you know high level tetris player who was kind of attempting at the same time and he is streaming his attempts to get to the kill screen and somebody comes in his stream and is like, hey, this 13-year-old kid is almost is, – is really getting close. And, he's, and he stops what he's doing and goes over and watches. Oh, my God. And is like rooting for him. I mean obviously they're in competition with each other. But it just feels like this beautifully heartwarming, positive video game story that we don't just – we don't get enough. You know? Exactly. I, I loved it. Also, he dedicated his win to his late father. His father passed so recently, like mid-December, and apparently he was so supportive of his son, and he would just tell anyone that would listen about his Tetris skills. So that that was very, very meaningful for him, I'm sure. Christian, the crazy thing about this too is it it takes like 45 minutes to even get to this place. 45 minutes where by the end you're doing this crazy roll situation (laughs) – that people wear gloves to do it. Like it's, it's, it's an endurance test. Did you see any of this? Yeah, it's incredible. And I think to your point of it being an endurance test, I feel like do anything for 45 minutes straight. And and it can be just pure repetitive with not even thought required. Like Tetris requires thought and you have to know where to put each Tetramino as it comes down. And there's mental skill going into it as well. But just say Millennium Falcon straight for 45 minutes and by the end you'd be like meow 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 you know you can't lose his all meaning yeah the average human can't your mouth do the same thing yes it's just like i'm I'm sure it's in several uh seth rogan movies at some point right where it's just like you say the same word over and over again and it loses all meaning you can't and and here it's doing this skill this technique that one wrong roll ruins a run and that's you know going back to the very beginning. What absolutely blows me away about this, aside from the original feat, which is astronomical, is now as of recording, 
I think two or three other people have also now achieved. It's like the four minute mile. You know, yeah. it was not humanly possible. No one could ever do it. Roger Bannister does it. And everybody else is like, ah, I guess I can do that, too. I mean, not everybody else. But, you know, it's like somehow yeah. it's like this lightning bolt where other people get inspired or they see it happen and you see the community rally around them. And it's such a great, wholesome thing. And I think in general, the Tetris community has been awesome and supportive probably since 1989, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the folks at the Tetris company really seem to rally around their community. There's been the Tetris Classic Championships, I think it's called, for years. Yeah. Just awesome, awesome it's wholesome. stuff. It's wholesome and I love it. I feel like wholesome is the new punk rock, you know, it's, it, you don't <laughs> get enough of it. It's, and you're right that uh, now, you know, that this has happened, people are doing it. And it's wild that, you know, Blue Scooty himself got to a place where he could have triggered the, you know, like I said, there's this spreadsheet of like all the different states that could cause the, the game to crash, the, the kill screen. Um, and he accidentally cleared, he was supposed to only clear one line to trigger it in a certain state, but he accidentally cleared four lines with a straight piece. And so he went past the point. It was like, Oh no. But then he got to another point where he could trigger it. And he did. It's like, and one of the cool things that that video by uh, a game scout uh, points out is that this kind of opens up a whole new Avenue for the scene in that, you know, at one point getting to level 29 was considered the game killing you the game beating you defeating you like you couldn't you can't get past this point because the game is going too fast for you to even input well people figured out how to get past that and the kill screen that blue scooty got to first is like the player beating the game and now they are predicting that the next frontier with this classic nes version of tetris is attempting to avoid all of the all of the things that can trigger the kill screen so that you're trying to navigate all of the potential ways the game could crash and get to a place where the game resets back to zero because the AI determined that if you keep playing and it doesn't crash at level 256 or something crazy, it resets back to zero. And that is like the new human has never done it. That's the next frontier of, of achievement here. It's just a cool story, a cool idea Tetris is amazing, and these people are made a 13-year-old kid. Amazing. Amazing. Truly. I love it. Great story, Chastity. I <laughs> Like you, I was just so charmed by this and loved uh, loved seeing it. I mean, I, my grandma didn't show it to me. I think you have a cool <laughs> grandma, but uh, very, very cool stuff. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? We're going to zig a little bit. It's not wholesome. It's not bad. It's not, you know, we're – a, a, a huge studio layoff yet. Um, I'm sure the year's still young, um, but it is a transition from a wholesome Tetris story. And news came out um, from Netflix financials and investor meetings uh, talking about ways in which they're looking to monetize their games. None of this stuff is official. Netflix is known for the Silicon Valley idea of anyone can suggest anything kind of approach. It's like, hey, Susan, what do you want to do? Great idea. Put it on the board. Gary, what do you want to do? Let's put it on the board. So a lot of stuff gets, quote unquote, you know, put on the board that never actually happens, but they're always looking for these new ideas. But Netflix, i.e. the Netflix of games, uh, <laughs> has been continuing their push into the gaming space. They bought up some smaller studios last year, a couple of years ago, 
at the end of 2023, they released Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy collection on mobile to Netflix subscribers. Into the Breach, I think, is on Netflix on is via Netflix on mobile. There's a lot of great Hades games. is coming. Hades is coming. I never heard of it. There's a lot of great games that are via Netflix, part of your Netflix subscription. The question I think that they're trying to answer now is what is the value add to their bottom line and to the average Netflix subscriber and how do they make it profitable? So I think this story and some of the ideas they have, which I'll get to in a minute, is interesting overlap with some of the financials we've seen from court documents from Xbox and from Sony about how expensive <laughs> how expensive and hard it is to make games every day and how hard of a business it is. And so some of the stuff that Netflix is thinking about doing, again, considering doing, is including in-app purchases, which currently Netflix games don't have. They are mobile games, but they don't have any in-app purchases. It's like Apple Arcade right now. You get the game, that's all you get. There's no microtransactions or anything like that. So Netflix is maybe considering that. They're considering maybe charging more for more sophisticated games, which they haven't defined, but maybe it's on, like on the ad-free tier, you get Love Island. But if you're on the premium Netflix tier, maybe then you get Into the Breach or something like that. So they're exploring maybe tiering their games offering. Right now, all of their games are available on all tiers. They're also thinking about doing an ad tier of games. So, so if you subscribe to Netflix with ads, you will get mobile games with ads, which a lot of mobile games have ads in them already. And I think it's really interesting to kind of run through those and think which of those would help Netflix and their shareholders and which of them would help gaming and kind of move gaming forward. You know, Chastity joked, your grandma's calling you about Tetris. And games are more mainstream now than they've ever been. But on Netflix, only 1% of Netflix's, Netflix's global users have played a game on Netflix tiny, tiny fraction of these users. And so I'm curious, like, which version of this makes you stay subscribed to Netflix? Which version of this makes you subscribe to Netflix where it's like, oh, I get Prime Video because I get free shipping. At what point does Netflix games become so good that Chastity, you're sitting there going like, oh, I get to watch um, Squid Game because I'm paying for Into the Breach Mobile. You know, it's like almost an inverted value proposition. And I think it's super fascinating to see them sit here and try to wrestle with this and figure it out um, and find a way that's profitable. Because right now, as we all saw last year, games are hard and expensive. <laughs> so this story blows me away from like seeing the thought process that goes into it. I think before they figure out how to charge people or, or monetize people's playing games, maybe they should figure out how to advertise that they have games on yeah. Netflix. Chastity, have you... Are you a Netflix subscriber? And if so, have you played any games on Netflix? Yes and yes. Oh, okay. Uh, You're part of the 1%. I'm part of the 1%. <laughs> you are the 1%. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, so I have. Um, and I, I agree with you. They need to lean into the fact that they don't have in-app purchases and ads. Like, that's how they can get more people in. It's like, yeah. oh, are you playing the version of the game where you have to do in-app purchases and see these ads? Well, 
Here you can play it without that. And you already have Netflix or you got your mom's Netflix. Like just get your <laughs> games there. Not that I used my mom's Netflix until I was kicked off recently because yeah. they're like, you don't live in the same house. I'm like, got me. Yeah, they put a stop to that. Define house. Yeah, no, you that's a great point because that is a hundred percent the only reason I gravitate toward Apple Arcade for my kids mostly is like I know this is a place that doesn't have ads and doesn't have in-app purchases. So my my rule to my kid, my seven-year-old, is you want to download an app on your on your iPad uh, for our you know our trip. <laughs> is it, it? It could be Apple Arcade. Anything on Apple Arcade? Well, not anything, but you know what I mean. That's the <laughs> yeah. rule. Is you got it's got to be on Apple Arcade. I don't want you downloading any of this garbage stuff that's going to be tricking you into ba- paying for things. Uh, and I think you're right. I think that actually could be. A differentiator. It sounds like they're not thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen that anywhere, really. Like, yeah. I know that it's a fact because I've played Netflix games. I'm like, cool. Like, that's – I just download it and play it. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to watch any ads for it. But, yeah, so it getting those people in to experience that, since it's such a few amount of the subscribers that are actually playing, it's also kind of hard to find. Like, I was just like, wait, so where do I play it? But apparently, like, you search in the app on your phone and then – you find the game and then download it. So like, I don't see that messaging in a lot of places. Right. Um, it just needs to be blown out a little bit more and leaned into the fact that they're not doing these things. So we shouldn't be having the monetization conversation yet. We need to get the players in. And then that's, that's for later. You got to give yeah. their games platform time to grow. <laughs> the monetization grow thing yeah. could be the thing that pushes people away. I think they make, that's a great yes. point. And I, you know, I personally, you know, maybe because of my age range, but I personally only really interact with Netflix on my televisions, right? I'm I'm very rarely watch Netflix on um, my phone, so I'm just completely disconnected to this. And I it kind of surprises me that they're not interested in bridging that gap. That they're not interested well, the, in making they games. Are. But it's also like slowly developed. They've talked about allowing you to use your phone to control. It's this – and sorry to interrupt, but it's this like – it kind of reminds me of the of the Wii U where Nintendo yeah. was kind of left with – what do you design a game for? A game that's awesome, this awesome Nintendo Land hybrid screen uh, or Zombie U, like these games that take advantage of the software or do you just make a game <laughs> that can be played on anything? And, there, and Netflix I think has that with – is it touchscreen only? Does it allow controller support also? Can you play it on a TV? Well, if you can play it on a TV, but it's touchscreen only, what's our interface for that? Or do I make you buy a controller? Do you use any Bluetooth controller? There's like complexities that make having the simplified message difficult, I think. I agree with that. But I think that's the – like if you want to be the Netflix of games, I don't think you you immediately discount all the people that interact with Netflix not on a phone. You know, and I Mm. think because Mm -hmm. A, a lot of people want to play video games on their TVs and B, a lot of people want to watch Netflix on their TVs. That feels like synergy. That feels like a (laughs) one plus one equals two. Why isn't there just like banners when I'm watching Netflix to be like, these games are on your phone? Like, yeah, just tell me. I would never know if I only watch it on the TV. Interesting. I would never know. Exactly. New, new, new season of this show, new, you know, new movie. And also, Hey, there's a video game that just was just released, but only playable on the app. I think that's, I, it boggles me, boggles my mind why they wouldn't be doing that. 
you know, because you have you have those eyeballs. You have them. I when watch I open... ads for everything. I leave I leave Netflix on and it's just like show it when it's paused and then it shows you other shows. <laughs> they could just put a full graphic for games. Just like show me into the totally. page like on a screen while I'm paused for too long because I forgot I had Netflix on. Dude, and not even me, not even forget. I'm I will cop to the fact that I will watch shows that I would never watch in 15 second ad increments. I will <laughs> I will hover over that horrible reality show that I have no intention of actually clicking on, but I will watch that 15 second <laughs> little loop over and over again. I'm that guy. I, I do wonder if their algorithm isn't good at knowing what you might want to play yet. Like when I log into the app on my phone, which I'm, I'm doing right now, apologies for being rude. And I scroll down, there is eventually the games section after like binge worthy TV, reality, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It shows me games, but it, it always, the first ones are games that I am 0% interested in. It's Love Island, Hot or Not, or like yeah. games like Match 3s based off of reality TVs. And so uh, games that are uh, uh, Before Your Eyes, Dustin Neon, this is Game Over Cholo uh, posting right now, uh, Shredder's Revenge, uh, Dead Cells Castlevania, we already mentioned Into the Breach. Those are good games, like capital G games. And if you're telling someone that they already have a Netflix subscription, that you get those for free, that seems like a awesome value proposition. It's an awesome reason to not cancel Netflix as you wait for the next season of Squid Game to come or something like that. You know, it's a, it's sticky, but again, I'm not interested in Love Island, Hot or Not, Match 3, and yeah. they just aren't messaging that stuff. I talked to a friend, my last kind of thought on this, I, I, when the story hit, I read it in the Wall Street Journal. I talked to a friend about it, and they were wondering if this is Netflix kind of prepping for a potential inevitable Apple needing to open up their ecosystem more and same with Google because of these epic lawsuits. So this is Netflix trying to maybe get ahead of the curve of having their own app store infrastructure where they can charge mm. microtransactions, where they can charge more for a, a bespoke game here or there, what that might look like. And I thought that was a really interesting thought. That is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that, that is part of it. I, you know, I, I think it's a, a conflict of them not really knowing who they're marketing toward. Are they marketing toward the people that are not already gamers and would play a love Island game because they like love Island or are they marketing to the people that have a Netflix subscription and would be into really excellent games that they know about from other in other ways? You know, I feel like that's, that's not necessarily the same audience and I don't think they it doesn't seem clear to me that they are clear about which audience they are, you know, shooting for, but it's an odd thing. I, I, you know, I'm somebody, I'm, I'm not in the 1% chastity. I am, I am somebody that, <laughs> you know, I'm talk about video games for a living and yet, and I have a Netflix subscription and yet I've never done this. So, uh, you know, that seems weird, right? Why would, why, why is this not even interesting to me? I guess, I play all these games in other ways or, or, or the games I can't play in other ways I'm not particularly interested in, but you know, I, I do think it's a missed opportunity in a, in a certain way. And I don't think the answer is, well, let's figure out a way to stick ads in it mm -hmm. or give people microtransactions. So 
I, I think that's the way to how you how do you make it profitable? You know, it is the era of free money over and you're dumping whatever the AAA Sony game, you know, whatever it costs to buy a studio or get. I can't imagine getting GTA trilogy was cheap. Well, yeah, the, the Wall Street <laughs> Journal uh, article that this story is based on uh, estimated that Netflix has spent about a billion with a B on buying game studios and building this business uh, and that they spend 17 billion a year on shows and movies. So, you know, wow. it's not nothing. A bill is not nothing, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not nothing. Yeah. Um, I just I just hope they give it enough time. Just give it enough time. To, don't just shut it down yeah. early days and be like, "Well, that didn't work" because you every platform needs enough time to grow. Before you actually yeah. see res- results. Are you listening, Google? <laughs> <laughs> they were, but they actually shut down their audio player yeah, mid-episode, yeah, they so they didn't make it this far. <laughs> they didn't make it. Uh, all right. Um, my story of the week is uh, another I, – I would, I would put in the feel-good category. Um, this is actually three stories in one, but they're all very similar, thematically linked. One uh, certainly – Classic in- Kanata. Classic mm, Kanata. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> But the, one is very much uh, in my wheelhouse as a uh, once and potentially future lover of Heroes of the Storm, the old MOBA from Blizzard that has been abandoned mostly by Blizzard. Uh, news this week that a small team of enthusiasts, just just uh, average folks who love Heroes of the Storm like I do, have released for free what they're calling Resurgence of the Storm, which is a brand new StarCraft II mod that aims to breathe life back into Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm kind of started as a StarCraft uh, mod and then became its own game. Um, And uh, right now they have two maps, uh, just a small, small subset of the uh, heroes of the the actual game um, that you can play as, but... The idea here is that they will be updating it frequently. They will be uh, doing uh, balance changes, the kinds of things that Blizzard is just not interested in doing anymore. They are taking on themselves. And it looks great. I mean, they have uh, Cursed Hollow, which is one of the old classic Heroes of the Storm maps uh, that is faithfully recreated. And then their own sort of just two-lane map that they came up with. And um, the, I mean, it looks exactly like Heroes of the Storm. It looks to play exactly like Heroes of the Storm. I haven't jumped in and tried it yet, but I just love the idea that this is happening at all. And it also comes on the heels this week of hearing that uh, an even older game, the old MMO City of Heroes uh, from NCSoft that came out, came out way back in 2004. So we're talking 20 years ago at this point. I remember playing it on launch weekend. Uh, <laughs> City of Heroes, uh, NCSoft has officially granted a license to fans to do their own project called Homecoming, which allows them to host and further develop a City of Heroes on their own. So they're officially going, have at it. Go go for it. Knock yourselves out. Make a City of Heroes. Update it. Build it how you want. Uh, and also, um, there is a fan update of the second Elder Scrolls game, which is even older than either of those two games, called Daggerfall, which has now uh, finally uh, been officially released in a 1.0 form. Uh, this is just a single guy doing it. 
Daggerfall Unity is what it's called. It's now uh, considered feature complete. So a trio of stories thematically linked about how uh, these games that have sort of been uh, abandoned or just sort of uh, we moved on from them uh, because they're older games. Fans want to keep playing them and uh, are doing so, are, are doing it themselves. I think this is amazing. Chastity, what is your feeling about this stuff? Yeah, I think it's great to give players this opportunity to take something that they love and just kind of go nuts with it. But like with the Heroes of the Storm story, like I'm worried, like, aren't these assets property of Blizzard? Like, is is this going to yeah. get shut down? Like that, that worries me, but it's so cool. And like a couple of people that have played it had good experiences with it so far. So that's promising because I was also wondering about matchmaking as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed Heroes of the Storm. I think, this is great. It, it it does not have all the modes that Heroes of the Storm in its current state does. You can still play Heroes of the Storm right now. It's just not being actively worked on and updated. New the, the one of the cool things about Resurgence of the Storm is that they have made two original heroes that never were in the in in Heroes of the Storm and have their own talents and have their own abilities and you know uh, that's kind of neat. But you're yeah. right. I do think there is the danger of. Um, Blizzard saying, um, hey, this game isn't completely dead. Uh, people are still playing it. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if Blizzard even makes any money from Heroes of the Storm at this point. But the folks making Resurgence of the Storm are trying to in that they say the only way they can continue to make this is if people donate to them. And they have um, put out the plea for you know Patreon and other crowd-supported uh, ways to keep production on or keep um, development on this. And so, I, you know, one, one wonders if that really takes off and they start bringing in dollars if Blizzard, you know, Activision Blizzard will come and knock and Microsoft at this point, I guess, right. will come and knock and, and <laughs> saying, uh, um, can't do that. Which is, I think, what makes the NCSoft story even cooler with Absolutely. them going, hey, we officially give you the license to do it. We have, we have no desire to do anything else with this. Have at it. I think that is really cool. That is extremely cool. Can you imagine yeah. just like, I don't know, a, finding a game that you really loved and then you love modding and then getting that kind of opportunity. I I think this is nothing but a good thing for fans. Yeah. Really neat. Really neat. Christian, uh, what's your take on these three little tidbits? Well, until they all add Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse into them, I don't <laughs> care. You know, I need my uh, <laughs> public domain characters added to all these. I, I love this. And, you know, the the joke I was thinking about before I thought of Steamboat Willie, um, I, <laughs> I, I, see, I see a world where this sounds flippant, but I, I almost see a world where this starts making money and it's not Microsoft that jumps back in, but Riot looks at it and is like, this is a StarCraft mod. We can make one of these. And they're like, you have one of these. Like, no, no, no. This is our other one of these. And then now Riot builds the successful Heroes of the Storm in this weird <laughs> snake eating its own tail. You know, it's like Heroes was supposed to compete with your MOBA. Yeah, no, no. We 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 made our own MOBA to compete with our MOBA. They fill different niches. It's all, all built on abandoned other people's uh, properties. I, I am very curious about how Heroes of the Storm continues because it is still an active game. 
And I'm very interested. And also now Daggerfall is also a Microsoft property. And traditionally, Bethesda has been very open to that older game modding community. But it does seem to potentially cross the Rubicon when you release a thing that can potentially take sales away from this other thing. To be clear, I... My understanding with Daggerfall Unity is that you is required that you own an original copy of Daggerfall, which I think they sell for very, very little at this point. So it, it is a front end that piggybacks that that uh, updates um, right. the code, you know, allows it to be run on modern systems and makes it so it doesn't crash. But I think you need to have an original copy of that game in order for it to work. So in that sense, I think that would that one potentially is protected from that particular criticism. Uh, and then for the Heroes of the Storm, right, that was always a free-to-play game. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. How was it going to monetize? Will it monetize? Does Daggerfall, were, th- was, were they going to release their own updated Daggerfall? But yet there's been fan-made high-res textures for Skyrim since Skyrim first came out. And they were yeah. very okay with that. And we've seen great uh, portal community-made mods. And there's entire Sonic the Hedgehog games that Sega has just said, yeah, go ahead. It's not ours. We're not going to stop you. We won't advertise it. But yes, go ahead and make it. And it's a really interesting space right now to see this stuff happen. And then also people modding current games <laughs> you know, in a way that adds features. And I don't think it's going to stop. I, I know this isn't part of the story, but I think AI is only going to increase this or make it easier or more available to more folks and i'm very curious to see when and how intellectual property law um catches up to it if it does yeah well cool a uh, super cool of ncsoft to be like you just never see companies do that where they're like hey go we officially give you the license that's rad i love it um all right well let's uh let's talk about some of the games that we have been playing recently but first we'll take a quick break for a sponsor Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, let's jump into our playlists. Chastity, you said that you have had uh, a backlog game that has kind of taken over your life. Well, what game is that? Yeah, it's Dave the Diver. Uh, it was just the most chill game to play on my break and where I just wanted to turn my brain off get into a game, get hooked on a game. Um, and I miss that feeling. I, I would start a bunch of games uh, and I was just like, you know what? This is great, but I don't have the the mental capacity for it right now. Um, I just want something simple. And so I found the perfect game with Dave the Diver. Have you both played a lot of it? 
I have. I don't know. Christian, yeah. did you ever play it? I knew it was great. Everybody says it's great. And I was just buried by a mountain of other great 2023 games. I have not. That's that's very true. That's where I was at because I was it was on my list. And then I had just put a call out to my friends on Instagram stories. I'm just like, what should I play? I don't want to think. And they're like, Dave the Diver. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Sold. And it was on sale uh, during holiday break. So that was just a bonus for me. Uh, so I got it on Switch so I can just be as lazy as I want with my screen right in front of my face or play <laughs> it on a TV. And I am hooked. I've been playing it every single day after work just a little bit. I'm just like, I just want to run this sushi restaurant and catch some fish. I just want to do that. <laughs> like, it's it's delightful. It is so so nice and so chill and i'm just having fun with dave and i'm also just seeing all these sea creatures and there is a pokemon element to it as some people <laughs> know i love pokemon and so like they even kind of nod to it in the game as well but they have like basically a pokedex uh, it's called marinka in the game and you collect cards for all the fish that you catch i'm just like well now i have to catch all the fish <laughs> oh, got me so like i'm going to like different parts of uh, the blue hole at different times of the day and trying to catch and c- complete my not Pokedex. My <laughs> <laughs> I I love that game as well. It, it narrowly missed my top of the year list, uh, but man, it is certainly one of the most joyous experiences I had in 2023. But I, you know, I, I agree with you that it's a lovely chill when you're swimming out, swimming around in the beautiful, gorgeous, you know, pixel art sea and you know, hunting for fish. But the opposite of that happens when you start operating your sushi restaurant, which is like very tense. You got to do you know, like it's chill. And then it's very not chill. You know, that is true. But I am like one of the people who is like calm during playing overcooked. And, so like, <laughs> okay. I'm, and I'm just like giving directions. And stuff. So you I'm, are I, the one percent. I am. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I was always a project manager throughout my entire career until now. And now I'm making things and I kind of miss the project managers. So I when I was at GameSpot, I was project managing all the time. And then I would hate playing games with project management. I'd be like, I can't. I did this all day. But now that I've two years into Ubisoft and I'm just creating content, I'm just like, I'm. you know what? This is a skill I have not used. I'm going to run the sushi restaurant. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. Not stressed That's at awesome. all. Love it. I love it. That's incredible. Uh, and the story is so so fun that, that it game is. too. It's just, yeah. it's unexpected and there's cool characters and fun stuff. Yeah, it's such a great game, Dave the Diver. Um I uh, I was going to say something else about it. I I played it a lot on Steam Deck. I think playing on on Switch has got to be just a great way to play it. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah it's it's just wherever I want to play it, I can, and it it's been operating fine for me. I think it crashed maybe once, um, but it still saved the game, so I was totally fine with it. So I haven't had too many troubles with it. But I'm sure it's excellent on Steam Deck as well. Awesome. Well, that's Dave the Diver. A uh, great pick, uh, especially if you picked it up uh, during the uh, end of the year sale on Steam or anywhere else. Great, great pick. Um, you're also playing a game that I played a bunch over the break um, and I'm still loving, and I know you're playing it for work, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Um, That's right. I I just love this game. I love, I mean, I'm a I'm an unabashed lover of the Avatar movies as well. I know I get a lot of flack for that, but I, I really do love both of those movies and can't wait for more of them. And have, what you, a, have you seen the the worldwide box office numbers on that thing yeah you're not alone uh, you would think here. you would think that would be persuasive <laughs> to people and yet 
Yeah. Uh, I have a whole other podcast where I get unending grief for for it's my It's actually love just Jeff. Uh, his family <laughs> yeah. is deep, deep in debt. Uh, it's, it's bad. <laughs> no. Netflix played a bill for their stuff. I played a, a bill for my – I will see how this franchise – this story ends. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will personally fund it. Um, yeah, no, I I, uh, I hope the game is doing well. I – it came out at a kind of a weird time where it was like, you know, all these end of the year lists were coming out and, and, you know, I, I hope it didn't get lost in the shuffle. Cause I just think it is so special. The, the movement, the, the, the traversal in that game is so much fun. Uh, flying on my Ekron and taking things down in the air is such a blast. I've been playing a lot of it in co-op too with, with a buddy. Yes. Oh my God. I have to talk to how fun it is in co-op. It is so fun. I've only done co-op uh, three times now and all on live streams uh, for Ubisoft. And I just have a blast. It just takes some pressure off. And also yeah. you can just like cause maximum chaos and where I would just be like a hundred percent stealthy trying to take down an RDA base. If I was playing solo, I'm just like, you know what? Let's just go out. You go over there. I go over there. Let's just attack. Let's go. And yeah. it's, so it's a different experience for me when i'm playing in co-op i just feel bolder for Our, sure <laughs> uh, we're sort of forced into bold because uh what tends to happen is we're like okay we're gonna go into stealth just, oh everybody heard me oh, no everybody heard me let's they go me. <laughs> yeah uh super super fun and just a gorgeous utterly gorgeous game i mean i think the best graphics i saw in 2023 period like absolutely uh, utterly, i'm playing it in uh, on pc and it's just a uh, stunning game yeah um, i'm playing on ps5 and it's still incredibly beautiful and i highly recommend it if you've got a ps5 you should definitely check out avatar there um, yeah. but yeah it is just gorgeous and i love that you know sometimes i'll just not even progress the mission for my entire play session because i'm just exploring pandora and looking at animals and looking at all these cool plants and and it looks so beautiful at night as well so seeing that change um but yeah it's it's just so fun to just explore and and do side quests running on these trees that are kind of horizontal (laughs) and leaping off stuff and swinging on things and you know going up these vines that are there to, to it's just um the the traversal itself is very fun and then you get the you get the flying mount very early in the game which is awesome can i awesome ask what because- you named your ikron oh there's like six there's options a, yeah there's I can't like two lists mine. there's yeah. two lists and one's like very navi and then one is just like a bunch of random i think it's stuff. like bonnie or something weird like carol carol, carol yeah i think i picked like She's a goofy <laughs> yeah Mine's i guess Sleuth. i'm not I'm not role playing enough to remember my my car- my Ikron's name. <laughs> yeah, mine's uh, Floof, which apparently is one of the devs bunnies' names, and just uh, went into amazing. the game. So I'm just like, that's Floof that's is delightful. pretty great. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty great. great. <laughs> yeah, I like. Uh, I I get a little angry at my Ikron because you, you know <laughs> you can leap off of things and then push the summon, and it'll like swoop underneath you and then but sometimes it doesn't come <laughs> when I summon it, and so I plummet and get hurt. Uh, and I'm, I, get, I go, Ikron, <laughs> Carol, or whatever. Carol. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know you are uh, obviously inclined to like Ubisoft stuff as a as an employee. So you know, obviously, people listening to this know that uh, Chesty is employed yes, by. Yes, I do work there. <laughs> I am not, and I have uh, I have really, really been enjoying this game. Like it, it's it, you know, my my biggest gripe, I think, is the map, which I find to be very detailed and cool looking, but I often, I'm not really sure where to go in certain times. But as you said, like the, 
just moving around is fun. So I can like get on my econ and fly around. And but I I do find the map frustrating at times. Yeah, I do have a tip for people playing that if you can go to your quest and then view on map and then drop a marker there. Yeah. That's what I do more often than not because uh, I want to find stuff like right away if I'm trying to do a mission. Yeah. Um, but they they are encouraging exploration, of course. So like, and you can like eavesdrop on different Navi and find things or talk to Navi and they'll give you stuff. And so like it, exploration is wonderful. But like, if you're just like, I need to go do this thing. Yes, open up your uh, menu, go to the quest and view on map, drop a marker and just head there yeah it does such a cool thing with leveling up like you don't mm-hmm. you don't get xp from killing anything um which i think is very consistent with the themes of the films you know where it's like yes. it's not celebrating destruction and it, you are actually you get x you, you you raise your level by getting better things uh better gear and uh you can do that a variety of ways and i think that's that's a it's a really cool way of managing that and, and not making it feel like, Oh, I'm just murdering a bunch of people to level up. Mm-hmm. That was cool. I've been doing it wrong. I show up at my <laughs> boss's office every Monday with a pile of dead bodies and I keep hoping for a promotion and it hasn't happened. And maybe that's why yeah. I'm like, ah, 20, dead, 20 dead people. <laughs> Look at all the experience yeah. that I've gained. <laughs> Christians, by the way, Christians LinkedIn is gruesome. <laughs> It's just, just me reaching out to random people. Do you want to connect? Huh? Do you want to connect? The experience that I've gained. <laughs> so much experience. Man, networking right. is brutal. Now I'm just giving away taglines for movies I should write. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Um, the other tip I give to people is the way I've been playing it is with a uh, subscription to Ubisoft Plus, which or Ubisoft connect is it what is it you stuff plus mm-hmm. plus yes yes um used to be called connect i think anyway connect is the um when you're playing on pc that is the Front interface end. yeah 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 gotcha um anyway so you know i i uh didn't have to pay full price for the game i paid uh 15 for a month and maybe i'll play for another month and who knows you know pretty cool and also uh prince of Persia is coming out so, yeah yeah it's almost like there's a gaming subscription service that advertises that they have quality games you can play. Who would have yeah. thought to try that? <laughs> you know, who would have ever? <laughs> it? it was weird when I was on Netflix watching Love Island and they were like, Ubisoft Plus. No. Um, uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? So I was joking about this here at the beginning, uh, Jeff, as you and I were talking off off show, I guess, a little bit, that this is maybe the only lull in gaming we're going to get this year this first week of january is the only time now the floodgates are going to open and we'll be drowning again but this this week uh kind of post holidays and leading into this week there aren't tons of new releases i'm chomping at the bit for prince of persia but it's not quite here yet and so the only I, lull, but not the only lulls no lots of lulls lots of ton, more lulls but only lull ton, only lull yeah um <laughs> so i love handheld gaming I love retro gaming. I also love analog products uh, as much flack as they sometimes get for missing their shipping deadlines and how hard it is sometimes to get product and they discontinue product and it's difficult. I, I understand and I agree with many of those criticisms, but I own their Mega SG, which is their Genesis. It plays original carts. I own the Super NT, which is their Super Nintendo and plays Super Nintendo carts. And I also own the Analog Pocket, which is their Game Boy. And it plays, it's in the portrait 
uh, orientation of a classic Game Boy, and it plays Game Boy carts, uh, Game Boy Advance carts, Game Boy Color carts. There's an adapter where you can play Game Gear carts and all that stuff. But much like their consoles, they are jailbroken, uh, oftentimes not by them, wink, uh, by them. And then you're able to play games, um, play your ROMs on it. So you can use the original cart if you want, but if you don't want to abuse your cart going in and out and you want to have play your carts that you've backed up onto your ROMs, onto your SD card, you can play them that way. And it still is playing the game then on original hardware. This is hardware emulation, not software emulation, which is what I love and um, about analog products. Mr. has... there's. Other ways you can do this, but for me, an ease of use analog has been great. Well, for the Pocket, they have been promising firmware update 2.0 for a while now. And then going into December, they said, out before Christmas. We're going to release firmware 2.0 before Christmas. And then it was December 20th, the 21st, (laughs) the 22nd, all these memories of analog missing shipping dates and missing software launches were creeping back up. Like, there's no way this is going to happen. It was just another lie. Darn you. And then sure enough, I think it was the 23rd, Christmas Eve, Eve, 2.0 drops. And it's awesome. What 2.0 supports in a big way is opening up the cores so the think of them as each console. So you can play Super Nintendo games, Genesis games, Game Boy Advance games, and you can run them from within the hardware itself without needing to change carts or change adapters. You can do all of these things um, on, on the hardware itself. Those existed before, and they, not them, but totally them, released official cores for Super Nintendo, Genesis, and stuff like that. But the cores did not support a lot of the cool features that you could have when you were playing carts. A lot of the cool screen effects and color effects and giving it a a CRT effect and making some of these retro games feel how they felt on the TV that you played them on. Um, The Analog Pocket has a beautiful screen, but seeing some of those CRT effects recreated or the pixel blur and stuff like that and some of the wonderful filters that the Pocket has when you're playing carts be supported now on cores was a much asked for feature. And uh, firmware 2.0 added that, the uh, possibility for that. And then much like our earlier story of the week, the community, as soon as they opened up 2.0, the community found ways to say, hey, Analog gave us a CRT filter that makes it look like a trinitron but that's the only one for some of these other cores that don't support anything but don't worry we found a way to add their game boy filter the game boy sp filter the game gear filter all these other great filters that do a wonderful job of recreating that look as you're playing games now on essentially original hardware and it's awesome absolutely awesome so one of my favorite games that i played over this break was called tinkering which is me tinkering with my analog pocket (laughs) and reading on reddit to get these cores updated in a way that allows for these various filters to be used and then me loading a game and going turn on the trinitron filter oh yeah okay integer scale it okay i like "Mm, let's go uh game boy sp filter that looks pretty good hmm so tinkering with that because it is a handheld though and you're making it look like an old you know 24 inch 13 inch television is there any kind of 
disconnect there? Any, are you feeling like, well, it's this, I don't know how big the screen is on the analog pocket, but it's not big, right? Yeah. So short answer, no. And the longer answer is they also sell a dock so you can output mm. these things to a big screen. And that's where a lot of these filters really come into play for the Genesis core, or the Super Nintendo core and right. the NES core and stuff like that. Because it finds a way, again, on the hardware side of things to recreate that style of screen on your big screen. And a lot of games back then used the limitations of the hardware, something Nintendo still does, for on purpose. You know, like the fact that they can't display a pixel at all times, all the time, so it has a flicker. Well, they allowed that to be create a transparent effect, for example. So it looks like something is water or see-through or something like that. So there's really creative development uses within limitations. And playing some of these games on our modern 4K OLED screens, you lose some of those effects or you get flicker that wasn't there before. And so playing on quote unquote original hardware with these CRT style filters back or the GBA, a filter that applies the GBA coloring to a screen gives it the the feel of what that game was when it was released. Whether it's mm. better or not, I think is subjective and up to each individual sure, player, but having those options I think are incredible. And so I spent a lot of time tinkering with that. If that bored you, I apologize. I love that stuff. But then what I played after I got all that set up was Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, which I think first came out in 2003. That feels right to me, something like that. It's a GBA game. It is the third of these incredible <laughs> Metroidvania GBA castlevania games that came out and in my opinion it's it's maybe the most forgiving i don't want to say easiest because it's still you know a metroidvania that requires patience and going into your map and it does not allow you to mark things you know that that newer um games in that genre do allow where you sometimes can mark on the map like i got to come back here and i get my double jump i know i'm going to get it so you put a little star or something like that it doesn't have any of that stuff but it is so beautifully laid out the way Dracula's castle is laid out in Aria of Sorrow and the way it continues to give you new abilities, souls. You absorb souls from enemies as you kill them and you get a power that they had. So now you can throw bones you know, or, or do whatever that enemy was doing in some form or fashion. And then also the exploration for new weapons. It's paced really well. I haven't rolled credits on it just yet. I think my castle map is at 85% as of now when we're here recording this. But it's about a 7 to 12 hour game, which I also <laughs> really love for a Metroidvania style game. And playing this game on a pocket with the added conveniences of save states, sleep wake function like a Switch or like a Steam Deck where I can pick up and play for a little bit and then someone needs me for something and my boss asked me to clear out all these dead bodies that got in his office somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can put the pocket to sleep and come back to it. And then now having these filters available when I'm running the GBA core and having it look like the coloring of the game when I first played it on my GBA, you know, in 2003 or whenever it was when I was in Boston, like it's pixel perfect, but also just a reminder of how good pixel art has aged, I think. And I'm clearly biased, but like it's still beautiful. Um, it's amazing that it has a Boston filter. 
<laughs> when you put that on, you actually just play as Mark Wahlberg, which is weird. Um, there's a Dracula in this castle. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> it's, it's Dracula's in the car. In the car. If I were in that castle, I would have stopped Dracula from taking over. The classic Mark Bog, Mark Wahlberg. Quote. Um, That's awesome, man. I'm glad you're it, uh, reliving your your youth. Well, so what I want to say to people uh, kind of as the the bow at the end of this is it's an incredible game by today's Metroidvania standards. I think far too often we move on. And yes, I'm waiting for Silk Song as much as the next person. I think it's going to be incredible. But there are certain types of games, I think, that in genres that stand the test of time forever, whether it's Tetris, you know, 1989 NES Tetris or Donkey Kong Country, probably two maybe be my favorite or tropical freeze, but some of these old GBA uh, Metroidvania games are stellar. The Metroid fusion um, Metroid zero, I think is the other GBA Metroid. And then it's Ari of sorrow. Oh, I can't remember the other names, but there's three of these GBA Castlevania games that are just top, top tier. And if you're looking for something to play, you're in a little bit of a lull. You haven't found your Dave, the diver, you know, to go back to, a lot of these games are available on the Nintendo Switch um, expansion pass, I think is how you get a lot of the GBA games. I forget which subscription gives you the GBA games, but they're available there at software emulation versus the hardware emulation on something like the Analog Pocket. But just absolutely incredible experiences. And Aria of Sorrow, I think, would be the one I would recommend you play first if you want to do one of these, even though it's technically the third game in the in the series. But just still an absolute banger. And um, I couldn't be more appreciative for all the publishers for giving <laughs> giving me this week to revisit a gem, an absolute gem. Very cool. That's uh, Aria of Sorrow, Castlevania Aria of Sorrow on Analog Pocket. I have also been doing a little tinkering, but it has been in VR. Ooh. Before we get to that, however, Christian Spicer, I see here that you managed to play a little bit of Quest 3. I am so ridiculously high on this hardware. I just really, I feel like we have gotten to a place. I think this is the second, I don't want to say golden age because we haven't gotten to a golden age. This is the uh, the the second high water mark, you know, after after the, the first big push of initial VR headsets when everybody thought it might be the next big thing, including yours truly. Um, you know, I, I think this, we've, we've come to a place where it, the, the curve is going back up. And I think the quest three is really the piece of hardware thus far that delivers on the promise in a way that nothing else has up to this point. Uh, we'll see what Apple's offering uh, this year uh, adds to the mix, but I'm curious, Christian, what you thought having, owned uh, a quest two and now you uh, got a chance to use the quest three i'm guessing you don't own it but you you used it in another way right yeah so i'm actually coming from a quest one i had Ooh. an original oculus the plug into the computer oculus i have a psvr2 but i, I only had, had the quest the, two i'm sorry i only had the quest one and because around the quest two time is when meta decided they were going to make you have a facebook account right <laughs> in order to play and i was like no thank you uh, uh I'm not going to do that. They've walked that back. 
Um, but yes, I do not own the Quest 3, but I did get a lot of face on time with it. And it is truly astonishing, I think, the clarity in the pass through. The even from PSVR 2s, which I think is very good, but having it just be black and white to the shift of color that the Quest 3 provides makes it feel more usable. It I wouldn't go as far, I think, as the way you described it, Jeff, which surprise, you know, I walk things back a little bit from and VR from how Jeff feel, <laughs> feels about things. But like it doesn't feel like real life to me. It doesn't feel like AR. I don't think I said that. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you did. I'm not saying yeah. you did, but it doesn't feel like AR. It still feels like for me, I'm wearing a VR headset, but seeing it presented in color, I I felt more connected to the space and less inclined to pull the headset up a little bit to talk to somebody if they walked into the room. Yeah. With PSVR 2, even though I can do pass through in black and white, I only use pass, pass through to find my controller uh, to see where did I put my water or right. something like that. If if someone were to walk into the room, I would not turn on pass through and talk to them. It feels right. odd. I'd be like, I turn on pass through to be like, how did that ottoman get here? Move it. With the Quest Three, if someone just comes in quickly, like, hey, where are the scissors? You know that style of conversation. Well, you can also answer a text in the, yes with, without you taking read your headset off, which is yes. pretty crazy. Yes, and so that was really cool. It really makes me excited to go face on with a vision pro though. Cause I feel like I know, me too. it's, it's still not quite there. It's right. like, Ooh, it's a tasty. It's like if someone gave you the most delicious meal you could think of, but only the yeah. appetizer version of it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's by price and experience purportedly <laughs> one seventh of a, yeah. of a, of a pro. Right. So if I if this is going to be seven times better, I, I'm very much excited to see what that will be. But you know, for for this kind of entry point, and and evidently, the uh, the Quest Three app was like the number one app in the App Store over the holiday break. So like a lot of people got it for Christmas, I think, or for the holidays. Um, so I think that's encouraging because I think it, at that price, it's a pretty astonishing piece of tech i i agree it is as impressive i think for folks to put on and see for the first time as the first oculus was in terms of just that experience of oh yeah and and, and i truly think going what they call mr and i think apple is using mr as well for mixed reality there is something very special about oh it's xr okay yeah seeing the real world and then having it envelop you in VR. It's very cool to launch Asgard's Wrath 2 from I see Chastity, I see Jeff, I see my room, and then I click the button and it you know, yeah. becomes this traditional VR experience is really, really, really neat. And I had people just doing that. Like, no, no, tap the button. Yeah, now you're back. Now, now go back into the game. I think it's it, it does so many things so well that I'm frustrated by the things where it's not quite there, like the gesture controls when they work are phenomenal, but then they don't, they're not quite as precise. So like sometimes it's like, I thought I got it. I thought I got it. And you, you know, it doesn't register that touch, but if you're doing big broad based stuff just with your hands and never needing to pick up a controller, the future's coming. I don't think the quest three is quite it, but it's leaps and bounds further. I feel like than where we were just what, a year ago, which is mind blowing. Yeah. 
And just to chime in, um, I got to play a little bit of with the Quest 3 when I was doing um, a game preview. Uh, and I was just, wow, this is comfortable. Like that was yeah. like my first <laughs> yeah. my first thing was just yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm used to being uncomfortable when I'm going into VR. This was comfortable. So totally like agree. shout out to the design on that just to make that like a priority. Thank you yeah. so much for doing that. And also um, like – for the last two years, I've just had issues with my right eye. I'm just like, I don't know if I should play VR. Like, I've got one bad eye. Like, it's not going to work. But the clarity on this thing, it's so good that I didn't have any problems when I was doing my game preview. Like, I was like, nothing was bothering me. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to be at a disadvantage because I've got one bad eye. But like, nope, played perfectly fine. Excellent yeah. clarity on that thing. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, another word on the comfort thing is I'm I'm in the position now of wearing uh, glasses full time. Uh, unfortunately, cause I, I also, I had eye surgery uh, a couple years ago and, um, uh, I'm nearsighted, which means I need to, to see it for distance and I unmodified the quest three is very comfortable on my face wearing glasses as well. So that is a huge thing because I would not say that about PSVR two. I, I invested in the lenses that you like third party, you can buy prescription lenses that fit in. And uh, that has been great, except it adds weight to the front of the headset that I didn't anticipate, which kind of like makes it rest on my, my nose a bit, which can be a little uncomfortable over long sessions. So not ideal. Um, and I keep finding myself like cranking the back of my PSVR two. So it takes the weight off my nose, which like squeezes my head, you know, anyway, all of it, not ideal. What's great about the quest three is I just slip it on over my glasses. It's, it feels light. Like you said, super comfortable. I only have the stock strap. I didn't buy the extra $70 strap. People say that makes it even better. And I'm tempted to do it, but like, I feel like no need to. So I'm glad to hear that you had a similar experience comfort wise. Um, Yeah. It's a great point. Nothing has made me, has been a better advertising piece for a third party comfort strap for my PSVR two than wearing a stock quest (laughs) three and being like, I should probably buy one of those comfort straps for my PSVR two. Cause I love my PSVR two, but it feels like trying to climb into a Lotus sports car. We're like, this is going to be fun when I get into it, but I can't, nothing fits. This is not, this is not comfy. Did you get to play any of Asgard's wrath Two, Christian, or you just kind of like take a little test drive? Uh, I mean, I mean, the game's what a hundred hours. So yes, it was just a little test drive, but uh, I did get to play some Asgard's wrath Two. Um, it, it does all the things, you know, again, I think it, I don't think it's quite as pretty as perhaps to see all the things that it does. Oh, that's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, I don't think it's as pretty as some folks maybe described it. It looks very good. It's a, it's a great art style for its graphical limitations, I think. Yeah. But you know, if you're like, what's the ideal VR game, it's kind of that, you know, like how do you prove AAA gaming in VR? And it's like, we did that. <laughs> Here it is. It's, well, it's yeah, Asgard's I mean, Wrath um, 2. You're right. It, it is not going to blow you away visually the way that, say, Half-Life Alex did, right? Powered by a, a really good PC. But now you can stream that seamlessly, wirelessly to the headset and play that. It's amazing. I have been playing a ton of Asgard's Wrath 2. I am in love with it. I put it in my top five of the year. I think it may even be climbing higher on that list in retrospect because I had only played a small fraction of it by the time we had to record that. The the thing, like the surprises that await, the, the fact that it is a giant open world 
action adventure game. It feels like you're playing Zelda or God of War in VR. The combat I find to be so fun and super challenging. There are so many surprises that I don't want to spoil that are, I just had my jaw on the floor for things. Yes. Does it look more cartoonish than you would hope for in a big AAA game these days? Yes, but it's, I mean, it's basically a mobile game, right? The fact that I can, I did the other night, picked up my headset and walked, uh, you know, well away from my PC. I guess it would still stream in my wireless house. But anyway, I went up into a different room and just that had more space and was swinging my sword around and stuff. And I could take it with me. I could just pop that into a backpack and take it somewhere and play it. I don't have to worry about it. It's a completely standalone experience at that kind of scale and I love this game so much. <laughs> I love it so much. How's the uh, gameplay and how's the uh, combat combat mechanics in this? I love the combat. So, okay. you know, it, it is very much sword. You're, you're throwing your axe like uh, Kratos and pulling it back, you know, like Thor or Kratos. And um, there are some things that happen later in the game that, you know, that you, you're leveling up. You're doing added cool stuff. You're blocking attacks and slicing through people. So it's, you know, you're swinging your arms around. But I'm into it. I love it. Um, the game is often throwing multiple enemies at you at once, and you're having to navigate, and you're dashing around. Not once do I feel even the slightest tinge of nausea, and I am doing Ooh. complicated things. I'm dashing, and and you know, you you do all these, you do wall runs and sliding, and you're jumping off of things and going up ropes and down ladders and. You know, you're doing all kinds of cool movement in the game and you f- it feels dynamic and interesting. The combat is, I find it to be thrilling. Um, you can open up weak points on characters. You can slice off limbs. You can, you know, you're, you're, you know, throwing traps and drinking potions. You like literally have to bring it up to your lips to drink it. And, uh, and teeniest, teeniest, teeniest spoiler, you get companions that have a whole bunch of extra benefits that help you in combat. You can help them in combat. They can do cool things and special magical abilities that you don't have. And, and when that opens up and you start having companions, it's like the game gets to a whole other level. Cool puzzle solving. I mean, it really does feel like the dream game for me, the dream experience where you're inside a world and, you know, there are times when I'm going through this open world on my mount, like looking around and I see some giant thing in the distance moving. And I'm like, I'm going to go to that and I'm going to do that. And it feels huge because I'm inside it. Anyway, I love Asgard's Wraths 2 so much. I'm um, sold. That sounds like fun. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like I I absolutely love it. Um I've been playing a ton of VR stuff now, but that's not, I I sort of buried the lead because even as much as I love that game, the craziest thing that happened during the little break, the the little time between the last time we recorded a regular episode and now could have been story of the week. It could have been story of the week. It could have been story of the week. The biggest thing that happened is 5,000 new VR games were released. (laughs) 5,000? In a way, I'm being a little cheeky. <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a hero, a, a, a titan, a beautiful human being that goes by Prey Dog released a long-promised 
mod for free that you can download now called UEVR. Uh, that basically is a plug and play one-stop shop mod that turns any Unreal Engine game into a fully 3D VR game. Arkham VR has never been better. Wow. <laughs> now, people people are undertaking this massive project to fully test and vet every game. And it doesn't work with everything, right? It's not it, – there are some weird outliers that it doesn't work with. Some games it works better with than others. But there is a massive uh, Google spreadsheet that's publicly available that lists all the games that have been tested so far and what how well they work. The vast majority of Unreal Engine games that you can get just work. Just work. You just <laughs> and I've been I've been playing with this thing. It's it's wild. There are some big, huge, notable extensions. For example, Gears of War does not, which would be like the sort of you know marquee uh, poster child for Unreal Engine. What, however, they're using it. However, whatever you know, proprietary things they're doing with Gears of War, it doesn't work at all with this mod. Hopefully they'll figure out how to do it, but it doesn't work right now. There are other sort of big games that don't, but there are a lot of games, thousands of games that do. There are, uh, so basically what you do is you load up this mod, then you load the game on whatever uh, you have to do it on a PC, right? You don't load it standalone in your headset. You load it on your PC and however you connect your headset, and it could be any PC VR headset. It doesn't have to be the Quest 3. I just happen to be using that one. It could be, you know, Index or what, you know, Oculus, whatever you, whatever you connect to PC VR, Steam VR. Uh, it doesn't have to even be Steam, but any PCR, PC VR situation. Um, and then, you know, you, you literally, you start the game normally in 2D. You tab over to the mod and then you push a button that says inject. And it injects <laughs> VR functionality into the game. And all of a sudden, the world is 3D. You, it, it has head tracking. You look around. You control the camera with your head. And you're in it. Now, there's a bunch of granular um, little uh, tweaks that you can do that the mod allows you. And people, you can download um, um uh, profiles for various games. There's a bunch of profiles that people have, have figured out how to do. Like for example, the PC version of Returnal, which I played, you can download a profile that turns it into a first person game instead of a third person game. I think it's pretty rad as the third person game, but you can turn it into a third person game and have, um, you know, full uh, range of movement. It's incredible. Uh, I'm gonna list some of the games that I have personally tested. Christian, do you remember how much we fell in love with that little indie game on guard? Yeah. I played it in VR, dude. It's awesome. Works. I'm running around VR. Third person. I've ranted on this show many times about how more VR game developers need to consider making third person games in VR. Cause it's still super fun to control a character on screen in, in VR. And too many, I think too many people just equate VR to first person and moving your hands around. But Dude, it's so much fun playing on guard in VR. It just worked, just magically worked. Uh, I didn't need to tweak anything. Um, Talos Principle 2 is a first-person game. Dude, that game is gorgeous. 
And I was just like staring at the ground in VR and looking around and looking at <laughs> how beautiful the game is. Um, a game called from a long time ago that I talked about on the show years ago called War Tile, which is a like almost like a god game uh, turn based strategy on tiles, as you might guess. But now they're 3D and it looks awesome. And it's like <laughs> it just turned it into a 3D kind of like demio style. Uh, map um what other games have i tested uh jusant which i was such a big fan of this last year jusant works <laughs> it's a it's crazy guys uh, I, abzu oh, i abzu, love how game. i love how the community just comes together and like will make this they have a list of all the games that they've tested and like how well they work on there. And I yeah. love that. I'm just like looking through this list. I was like, wait, like, like strays up there. It says works perfectly. And it's yeah. like, so, so I'm the cat now. I love that. I want to be it, the cat. Like, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. It's so cool. <laughs> it, like magically in one day, one guy, this prey dog person. Yeah. Uh, just magically made. The thing where it's like, oh, there's not enough games in VR. Oh, yeah? Well, pretty much er any Unreal Engine game works in VR. The the VR community has been kind of exploding over this. And just how well it works, um, obviously, it's not going to be the same as a game that is designed for VR, right? There are some limitations. But the fact that it works so well, that it's so playable, it's so gorgeous, and it just, like, takes care of so many of the things – by itself, there's no, there is fiddling you can do, but you don't have to. There's so much that just works magically well for some of these games. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And I haven't uh, heard anything about CRT filters yet, though. So I'm still on. <laughs> yeah. um, is it, um, are, have you been streaming it wirelessly? Have you been using yeah. the Steam Link app? That's, yeah. I mean, that's what I think is. Again, our two futures coming together, cloud gaming plus VR gaming is this. But this idea that you're playing an app made essentially by one person, whether or not they had help from other people or not, whatever. But it's one person makes this mod for this engine that almost everyone uses for everything, uh, especially after Unity's year, perhaps. And it's for the end user, a one-click solution for something that then you can use to bring PC games wirelessly to your headset. I mean, I, I know not to spoil, but I know you've also been playing some, they announced game pass on quest three, right? When you can play flat games now on your VR headset. Yeah. But with this mod that feels like who cares? Why do I want to play flat games on my big screen with my VR headset when I can be playing those games in VR <laughs> in yeah. my VR headset? It's, astonishing it's astonishing i mean i i I, it's a it's a huge moment i think and um it's only going to get better and more sophisticated and people are going to come out with profiles that really dial it in and like you know give you even more functionality and center the camera just right so it you know it feels like you're inside the the the, the avatar you know the character um which like the returnal one it's a big difference when you just load it up by itself or when you use the profile that is available now you're like oh yeah no they made it like awesome and if you've got a beefy gp if you've got a real computer that can handle it you can make these games look really good really good in the headset like talus principle looked inc- i didn't do anything by the way i just 
loaded talus principle, pressed inject, and it was like this is gorgeous. It, it's it's wild. It is, and it's all in three D. It's like exactly what I've you know what I've been wanting is like I wish people made more VR games. Well, guess what? Any Unreal Engine game, pretty much at this point, is a VR game if you want it to be. Um, it's it's an amazing moment. So yes, also I tried Game Pass on Quest Three which is super cool that Microsoft is supporting that with an official app. And it's really slick how it works. You load the app on your headset, and then it says, hey, let's pair a Bluetooth controller. And I just happen to use my old Xbox One Bluetooth controller. It pairs to the headset. And then it's a bit of a bummer that you can't just use the controllers that come with the... Because you can with the, the UEVR mod, like... You can control the games with those controllers, but uh, but it, but you know if you've got like a Bluetooth controller hanging around, it pairs it to your headset, and then you're just basically looking at a giant virtual screen that because it's Quest Three is super crisp and looks good, looks good enough for me to be staring at like a computer screen, and I'm playing Forza and Halo and whatever you want, whatever you've got on games, any Game Pass game. Uh, because I have a Game Pass subscription, right? So it's, again, not 3D, but you're in a 3D environment and you've got this giant screen that you can move around and make whatever size you want and all that stuff. And you're playing, you're, and so a neat way to, oh, the TV is being used or I'm in a hotel room and I want to play some Forza or whatever, you know, pop on the headset and now I've got, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to replace my TV for me personally. It's not going to replace my ultra widescreen monitor for me personally, but it is a pretty awesome way to play it. Um, and it works really well. works really and well. It's, just, it's the cloud-based uh, game. It is the cloud-based. So I mean, that's the only bummer about it is that the first two times I tried it, it was, it said, there's a lot of people playing right now. Your wait time is 20 minutes. I was like, oh, oh that's, <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I think that's just that's Xbox bad. cloud gaming, right? That's not, has nothing to do with the headset. It's just, there was a lot of people playing Xbox cloud gaming that night, you know? Yeah. So, so I've been doing a lot of VR <laughs> over the break <laughs> uh, between Asgard's Wrath 2, which is just stellar. I also played, you know, Red Matter 2, which maybe I can talk about at a later time. It's, they had some updates, visual updates for Quest 3 that make it, I think, one of the most beautiful, standalone, non-tethered games uh, that you can play on a Quest 3. Um, it looks great. So, you know, I, I think we are in a new heyday for VR as far as I'm concerned. Like, it, between this mod coming out, the Quest 3 being, you know, on the more affordable side, but giving this really high quality, comfortable experience and having a game like Asgard's Wrath 2 as a pack-in game for people that buy it right now. Um, it's, I'm just so thrilled that VR is having this resurgence and I think it's only going to get better as Apple enters the fray. Uh, hopefully this year, we'll see. Um, so I'm very bullish on it. And I hope, Chastity, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, that, Ubisoft continues to support. Uh, I don't know if you can whisper into any ears. Uh, but, uh, I can't say anything. I can just smile at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Jeff doesn't want you to say anything to him. He wants you to say something to everyone else at your company. He doesn't care. <laughs> he right. doesn't need to hear it. That's right. <laughs> Tell him to get on that. He needs yeah. he needs Mrs. Ubisoft to hear yeah. it. That's I who think, he needs. Uh, Send all the Slack <laughs> messages. Yeah. I think Far Cry 5 is one of the ones that – I think Far Cry 5 is an Unreal Engine game, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, stop listening. Anyone not at Ubisoft, Snowdrop. stop listening at, for this part of it. But, yeah. uh, okay, you can come back now. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried that one yet, but I think, I think that's on the list. I could be wrong, but I think that's on the list. Um, anyway. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Chastity Vicencio, it's always so much fun to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. No, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me on. I love starting my year with you guys. I did. I think the last time I was on it was January as well. So, oh, that, yeah. Very possible. That's <laughs> you know, we turn to you when we want to kick things off right. Uh-oh. So we appreciate it. Love Tell it. folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff you do online. Yeah, please find me on over on X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram at chastity underscore v. That's C H A S T I T Y underscore V. That's where you can find me. I'm more uh, active on instagram these days but uh you can also see me streaming every wednesday thursday and friday on the ubisoft's official twitch channel twitch.tv slash ubisoft awesome christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week uh there's some fun stuff coming for this show that you know we're, we as we're in our 11th year we're moving and shaking and doing some stuff so hopefully i'll have more on that soon nothing i can say about it right now nothing's going away don't worry but hopefully new exciting things are coming um this show is on threads and on instagram as dlc hype train we also put out video segments of episodes on our youtube which is at DLC pod on YouTube. And then I also am on threads and Instagram as Christian underscore Spicer. I use threads more than Insta. Um, and then I have a newsletter called Let's Chat Games that you can subscribe to for free. I send it out twice a month usually. And you can find that over at Substack. If you just do christianspicer.substack.com. You can find it there and you can jump in and uh, long form conversational writing about video games in about twice a month. So I'm not overloading your inbox uh, by any means. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, you can follow me on uh, various social places at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have other shows that you can check out as well, including the film cast talking about movies and TV shows. We have concerns talking about science and making jokes and we've got the uh, Fan Controlled Show, which is about sports at Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment. Uh, good fun all around. I hope you check them out. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Chastity, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I sure do. I've got one for theaters and one for at home. Uh, but the first one, I'd really, really, really want everyone to see Godzilla Minus One. It's incredible. Have either of you seen it? I have. It's awesome. Oh, what a film. It's so good. Oh, I think – I mean, I saw it recently, but I think it might be my favorite film of 2023. And it's definitely the – like one of the best – theater experiences I had in 2023 by far just like edge of my seat fully invested uh Godzilla is terrifying absolutely terrifying and also you can swap out Godzilla with literally any other threat or monster and it would still be a good film about humans (laughs) like it's just 
a very, very good story that like finally identifies a main character at the very beginning. I know who I'm supposed to be following and I get fully invested in what is going on in this character's life and for the humans that are there. Cause usually when I'm watching Godzilla movies, certainly the ones that were in the U S um, there's so much destruction. You're, you're like, yeah, surely hundreds, thousands of people must have died, but you don't care about it as much. Cause it's just kind of a spectacle, but in this film, it's so brutal. Like you just, Feel the loss, and I highly recommend. It. I, I I know that last line might not sell you on it, but it's just it's such a good film, like for action, for just heartwarming story. Like go check it out. Couldn't agree more. It is so excellent, and it does all the big bombastic stuff you want out of a giant monster movie, a Godzilla movie. It mm-hmm. does all that right. But you're right. The biggest surprise is that oh, it's also a really good movie. Like. Right. <laughs> The Just humans are interesting. Well yeah. 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 And what's the other one? Oh, yeah. And on Netflix, uh, Blue Eye Samurai is something I'm watching currently. Excellent. Very, very well um, animated. And it's got a great voice cast as well. Um, but the story and the fight scenes are really, really um the highlights of it for me. And I won't spoil anything for you, but you just have to see the choreography in these fight scenes and how well it's animated. It's it's just, oh, it's beautiful. But um, I'm five episodes in. I believe there's nine, eight or nine episodes. So I've still got a little bit left to go. And I'm glad I still do because I'm enjoying every minute of it. That's Blue Eye Samurai on video game platform <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> we're really doing it for them this, this episode. We are. We're <laughs> selling it. For yeah. uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? My parting gift is something that is not excellent, but oh boy, is it good. And I will I will die on its good hill. And that's Reacher Season 2. I think I sang Reacher Season 1's praises when I was a guest on, on Filmcast, whenever that was, when Reacher Season 1 was out. And Season 2 is so much better than Season 1. Season 1 was, you know, slicky, good fun, but it also kind of veered this little too far on the side of being like we're on streaming here's male feel full frontal also someone crucified and you're like totally that doesn't work for this show but you showed it to me anyway and season two gives reacher a crew to work with so it's not just him um you know showing up into town and beating up dudes now he's got a crew of people that he goes around town and beats up dudes with it's set in new york which i think really helps the show um find its footing in terms of a dense urban environment makes car chases more exciting than a small town in georgia or wherever season one was like it fixes a lot of the problems of season one but it is still just dumb fun like (laughs) he shows up in a room and the dude is eight feet tall and six feet wide uh and all muscle and just kills everything and he said it's like all right we're gonna go get him not if we kill him first. And it's like, <laughs> heck yes, Reacher. It's it's what I think it's what I think a really well-made Punisher TV show would have been in 2005. You know, like it has <laughs> it's not trying to be art house. It is just dumb fun. It's Reacher. It's on Prime Video, home of Luna, where you can play video games. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Uh, I also have a streaming television show to uh, recommend, but before I do that, quick shout out, because I wasn't sure if I had mentioned this before or if someone else had mentioned it before. And I went and looked and I want to just thank the folks that are still updating 
the Google Doc that has the list of all the parting gifts we've ever done. You can find a link to it in the disc or uh, excuse me on the uh, on the subreddit, which is five by five DLC dot uh, also you. in the I, Discord, if if you go to links or the top or home, like all that stuff is beautifully pinned and linked in the Discord as well. There are the parting gifts all the way back to episode thirty-seven, and we're on episode five hundred and twenty-eight right now, I think. Uh, so you know every every parting gift that has ever been mentioned by us, by our guests, by the people that write in, it's all there. A wonderful, wonderful resource. Thank you folks that are continuing to update that it's awesome that you're doing that uh okay so i did find out that i hadn't mentioned this yet and i have been loving it my wife and i have been loving it it's a show called the curse it's uh, streaming on paramount plus where there are no video games to play but uh it barely even uh, things to watch streaming wise for that matter although there is a, a halo tv show but um star trek star trek lots of star trek <laughs> lots fair, of star trek fair point um <laughs> Anyway, I am a happy subscriber to Paramount Plus because there's always seems to be a show here or there that I want to watch. And The Curse has been the current one. Uh, this is Nathan Fielder and um, – oh, uh, gosh. What's her name? Uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird, interesting – kind of makes you feel icky at times but fascinating show it goes places it's ostensibly about two people that are making a reality show but man does it comment on life now and the way uh, people take advantage of other people it's just it's so dense it's so interesting it's so weird it's so beautiful the curse highest possible recommendation it's on paramount i will say that as a warning it is kind of an uncomfortable watch super get stressed out and so just think about how nathan for you makes you feel and then combine that with the powers of the safty brothers because benny safty is also involved and how their films make you feel and then they somehow combine that uncomfortable energy together into a super ball of uncomfortable energy in the pit of your stomach as you watch these episodes. And I, I'm not able to watch more than one episode at a time. I have to take breaks. I'm just like, I was so uncomfortable. I need to take a break and I need a palate cleanser right now. Like let, I need to watch bake off because I need, I need to relax. That See, was that's so where you and I different. I just, I just revel in the discomfort. I'm just like, Oh, it's so wrong. Uh, yes. No, I, yeah. I, I think, oh, but it's good. It's, I <laughs> it's good. appreciate the uh, the note of warning because it's uh, it's certainly not for everybody. But I think it, this show is genius. I think genius. it's on the the Showtime tier of Paramount Plus because there is a video game on Paramount Plus. Which version of Paramount Plus do you have? I don't think <laughs> there's any different. I think they're they have, they're one and the same now. I think they I, merged. They're just yeah. they're totally yeah. together. I know it's there's a time where it's like thing. up your price to be yes. whatever yeah. or whatever. Because I yeah. I used okay. to not be able to watch Yellow Jackets because it was on the Showtime tier, mm. and now they've just merged. So yeah. I can watch the curse. It's all the thing. I think it's called <laughs> Paramount Plus featuring Showtime or something, something like that, which like is that. like really which one of those has more cultural cachet? The <laughs> the 40 years of building up Showtime into a thing or the like 15 <laughs> minutes that Paramount Plus has been a thing. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, all right. We got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, this was sent in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us by Don from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Don writes, uh, I know Jeff, like myself, grew up playing classic computer role-playing game series like The Bard's Tale, Ultima, and Baldur's Gate. The CRPG book 
a guide to computer role-playing games is a mammoth 700-page coffee table book that covers the history of the genre from 1975 all the way through Disco Elysium in 2019. In addition to breakdowns for almost every game imaginable, it incorporates developer insights, information on mods created for each game, and suggestions on how you can access and still play most games on modern systems. Scorpia, the much-loved 1980s-era CRPG columnist from Computer Gaming World, by the way, the reason I'm doing what I do today is Scorpia. End of story. I could tell that story some other time, but Scorpia is the reason. Uh, She, anyway. Um, shaped my entire career. Anyway, um, uh, columnist from Computer Gaming World Magazine even returns to write a chapter on creating hand-drawn graph paper maps before the advent of auto-mapping in games. The book incorporates thousands of images, screenshots, maps, box art, etc. There's even a chapter titled Games Will Never Play with discussions and screenshots from dozens of lost games, including the original Fallout 3, Bard's Tale 4, and an entire Ultima 8 expansion that was 100% complete and never released. It's clearly a book created with a love for the genre and one any CRPG fan will enjoy. However, I've saved the best for last. If money is tight, no worries. You can get it absolutely free. The CRPG Book Project is a WordPress site that chronicles the writing of the book and offers a PDF version at no charge. It's crpgbook.wordpress.com. That being said, the hardcover print of the book available at Bitmap Books is beautifully done and at $46 is a bargain. Even better, the author is giving all proceeds from purchases of the hardcover book to charity. Best wishes, Don. How cool. How cool. I wish I had known about this before the holidays because this would have been number one on my list. But uh, certainly something I'm intending to pick up. Uh, What a cool, cool, cool thing. Thanks for the heads up. Don, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Chastity Vicencio and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. You can get swag for the show at dlcswag.com, which was created by Jesse J. Anderson. Also, our huge thanks to our patrons who make this show possible. You can become one at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Our top tier patrons, our hype train patrons, they get their own video game. What? How does that work? Well, we talk about some old video games and some new video games, but there are video games that haven't been discussed uh, recently enough. You know, there's, there's a lot of video game shows out there, but they don't talk about the real good video games. Like, Remember the Taylor Wigert game? Uh, Taylor's Wig Art? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of people remember Mario Paint as what they yes. used the mouse for on the Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo? Uh, not me. Uh, you should have seen, I mean, just everybody in my game was a judge from the United Kingdom. Just glorious, powdery... <laughs> Well, curled like wigs that are just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, beautiful and mag- majestic. I, it was bold at the time because, you know, it was the era of MS Paint, as you said, 
um, uh, Mario paint. And, you know, big back then was like different brushes. And you could have the, you know, different size brushes, different textured brushes to have an entire game where every brush is a wig is was audacious at the time. But I think I think stands the test of time because what other game let you put wigs on characters and change the course of the story of the action? It was incredible. I think it's been long enough that I can say this now, but I don't know if you remember the movie The Favorite. Jeff, sure. um, all of the wigs in that game were based <laughs> off of art that I did. What? You mean the movie? And all yeah, all of the movie's wigs in the favorite yeah. were based off of art that I did on, with Taylor wig art. Uh, really? They took my did you, old. Did you, mm-hmm. was there litigation? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I got paid handsomely for it. Oh, and the wow. tallest I, wig you've ever amazing. seen. They, they gave me one of them and uh, it takes up my whole garage now, but it was it was worth it somehow. I guess there's some old Reddit post about the best Taylor wig art ever made. <laughs> well, you tailored it right to it tailored right to you. I think that's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's I, glorious. Uh, it, Pixel it makes art sense. Holds up. The, it, it, it movie, the favorite video game was one of my favorites. <laughs> An incredible, incredible experience. Uh, not to be outdone, though. Uh, do you remember Christian Bravery? Um, I still have the poster of it above my bed. My yeah. wife is like, what? can we take that down? And I tap it like the believe sign in <laughs> Ted Lasso. Time you, every time you go to work? Every uh, time I go to bed. I, I'm just yeah. like, hopefully I wake up Same in the morning thing. and my my name's Christian. I want to have some bravery as I yeah. slip into the darkness every night. So I- well, pop, pop. It was Here the era of uh, of mascots, right? Every, every company had to have a mascot. Some- endured some are still around uh you know we're still getting uh, games with uh, certain mascots and uh, some like christian bravery you know uh didn't uh didn't have more than one installment but what an installment it was i really wish somebody would go back and make another christian make a christian bravery two return of christian bravery you know do you do you remember the cover i think it was my poster is from a game pro because you mentioned like every every system needing its mascot or every not even system just every publisher yeah. needing a mascot and i remember yeah. the game pro cover and then i think it was in the middle and you like i peeled back the staples took out the poster hung yeah. it up i can see it clear as day still and it's kind of this beautiful artist rendition rendition of the art in the game. Cause now we just see screenshots of the game because the games are so beautiful. Um, but for Christian bravery, it's kind of like this claymation style poster of the picture yeah. and truly phenomenal about the game too, is how much it was kind of a precursor and laid the ground for a plague's tale uh, innocence in those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never made that connection before because it seems like such a weird connection to make, but now that you say it, it makes total sense. A plague tale. Yeah. You know, being brave enough to sure. go sure. against the Christian traditions that are tearing apart your town because of this offshoot of these, you know, folks that have brought upon this plague based on yeah. these. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really laid the I groundwork just remember, like for you said, that claymation poster. Where he's standing there chest out. <laughs> He's got the red T-shirt with the B on it, you know. He's standing there all proud and ready to attack, you know, Christian Bravery. Ah, those are great games. Or it was only one, the one, right? Only the one game. 
Yeah, what, I think why do you think the, it didn't catch on? Was it all the rats? <laughs> you do no, find a lot a, of rats in they it. They made a Plague Tale sequel, so that can't be because of the rats. Because mm, the second fair. Plague Tale had just had more Maybe it was just ahead rats. of its time. It was, uh, I think so. People weren't ready for that many rats in a single <laughs> adorable mascot platformer, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's pre-Ratatouille. So, we, yeah, we just weren't ready for it yet. We weren't, we weren't ready. We weren't. Well, we appreciate uh, Christian Bravery and Taylor Wigard. I hope they uh, don't mind us uh, doing what we did to their names. Uh, but thank you for supporting the show at the hype train level. That is a, a huge amount of support, and we are grateful for it. If you'd like to have your own video game based on your name, uh, consider becoming a hype train patron at patreon.com slash dlcpod. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.